Welcome to Hauser Community Church Online. Let's join Pastor as the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts and unpacks the Word of God for us. After the message, we'll tell you how to contact us. Pastoral prayer. Oh Lord, God of heaven, our great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. To the only one who is worthy, the Lamb of God, the Lion of Judah, we praise you, Lord. We praise you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. May you be exalted today in all that we do and all that we think and all that we say. Lord, we know that we have sinned in our thoughts and in our words and in our deeds. And we have done um, what is not good and we have left undone what is good and what you call us to do. Lord, we ask that you would forgive us, have mercy on us in the name of Jesus Christ. But Father, we thank you for your forgiveness in your Son the forgiveness that you freely give us in Jesus. You are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We've been abundantly blessed by your grace and your mercy, and we pray that our thankfulness will pour out of our mouths and and pour out of our lives as we praise you and live for you in all that we do. We thank you, Lord, for our freedom to freely gather. May we never take the gathering of the saints for granted. May we understand what a gift we have as we gather. There's so many that cannot enjoy this at at all. Lord, we come before you, the great physician, and we ask for healing on those who are in our congregation and those in our lives who are sick and who are hurting. We ask, Lord, that you would bring healing. We ask, Lord, that for those you choose to not heal, that you would grant faith and endurance. For the spirit is willing, but the the body is weak, Lord. It's, It's easy to turn from you if we focus on the pain and sickness and chaos. Keep our eyes fixed on you, Lord, by your spirit in us. Lord, I would also pray that you would heal any strained or broken relationships, that you would grant peace and and forgiveness. Father, we want to lift before you the Pamir uh, team as they minister to the church in Afghanistan. Lord, would you give them wisdom and understanding? I can't, I can't even imagine what they're having to deal with and how they're having to deal with this situation with the Taliban. And Lord, And I just pray that you would be with them, that you would help them, open doors for them to, to disciple the Afghani Christians, Lord, and, and open doors for evangelism. I pray for those Afghani Christians that are there that they would share the hope that they have in Jesus Christ. Now, we know that the Taliban is strong, but we know that you are omnipotent. So we pray that you would display your power in their weakness. 
Holy Spirit, I pray that you would bring revival in the hearts of your saints. These past years, several years, have created deep rifts in the church. So much so that I I feel that the love of many in the church has grown cold toward each other and to the world outside of us, Lord. And we ask that you would revive us. Teach us to love the lost and pray for those who persecute us. Remind us to pray for our leaders in our country. We pray for them now, Lord. We pray that you would grant wisdom. We pray that you would bring uh, humility to those who have turned to, from you. And we ask, God, that you would turn them to you. We ask now, Holy Spirit, that you would teach us from your word. Help me to proclaim your truth clearly. We ask that you would move us all to obedience as you send us out from here. Lord, we pray, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, kiddos, you are released. The rest of you, if you would turn with me to Genesis. We'll continue looking at the kingdom of God. We're going to close up our series on the kingdom of God today. Uh, we're going to look at the, the kingdom mission. So, so we looked at the, king, the kingdom's beginning, uh, and then we looked at the kingdom's uh, redemption in Christ. Last week we looked at the kingdom community, and today we'll look at the, the kingdom mission. Well, good morning, church. I always have to say that because it's in my notes, and I don't want to skip that. I'm a creature of habit. Like I said, the past three weeks we've been looking at the kingdom of God. We've been talking about the kingdom of God. But when we, when we start to look around, we, we see churches that are half empty, um, we see churches that are closing their doors constantly, uh, and we start to think the kingdom of God really doesn't seem to be growing at all. Uh, the kingdom of God, it seems to be shrinking. But that's a little narrow-sighted. If we would look, just look at China, I just pulled one graph. Can you see that? Yeah, you can kind of see that. If we look at China, over the past 50 years, we see this crazy amount of growth in the Christian church. Now, the red line, um, the one that looks a little more steady, is the Communist Party. So the growth of the Communist Party, the membership in that party, and it's been steadily growing. But the church itself has been growing steadily also, um, even beyond, they're projecting in 2025, beyond the Communist Party. So we see that Christianity, even in intense persecution, is... Is growing. The kingdom is growing. This is just China, but if you think about South Korea over the last 50 years, <clears throat> we see their Christian population go in 1950 from about 7 million Christians in South Korea. You can, if you drive through, I was stationed in South Korea for about a year, and if you drive through uh, South Korea at night, you see just crosses, red crosses everywhere, and it's not uh, a medical field. It is churches growing 
And they have some of, presently have some of the world's largest congregations in their capital city of Seoul. So the kingdom is growing. But we see here in America what seems to be growing is the number of people who identify as atheist or non-churched or spiritual in, in one sense of the word or another. And we need to ask, why is that? The American church, I think, struggles with local missions, We struggle, um, we will almost immediately give money to a mission, uh, foreign or local. We want to support those missions, but we almost often never see ourselves as the answer to that mission. Christopher Wright, he puts it this way, it's not so much um, the case that God has a mission for his church in the world as that God has a church for his mission in the world. Mission was not made for the church. The church was made for the mission, God's mission. So we see the kingdom of God, the kingdom mission is to bless the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is God's mission. That's what he calls us to do. And the church is made part of that mission. So we'll see today, this morning, how the church, as as the church, we are sent on mission. We're going to see that since it's God's mission, the success of that mission depends on him alone. And then we'll see, we'll close by looking at what it actually looks like practically to bless the nations. So let's begin by looking at how we're sent on mission by the king. Look at the text. Genesis 12, verse 1. Now, the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land which I will show you. Those who are sent on mission are called specifically by the king. We see him call Abraham by name even. Uh, The Lord said to Abram, He's called specifically. He was not a Yahweh follower. He was not a good church goer. He did not know the God Yahweh. He, and we're told in Joshua, Joshua said, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, and they served other gods. But God starts redeeming his people by specifically calling Abram and sending him out. God calls Moses. We see, and now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, God says. I've seen their oppression with the Egyptians oppressing them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. God specifically calls Isaiah. He shows him who he is, and then he says, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And then Isaiah says, Here I am. Send me. And God said, Go and say to this people, Keep on hearing and do not understand. Keep on seeing and do not perceive. God calls Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. And we read, once we get to the New Testament, we read that Jesus is also called. We see in Matthew 2, 14 and 15, and he arose 
and took the child and his mother, so that's Joseph arose and took Jesus and Mary by night and departed, spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. And, and that is reflective of um, Hosea 11, the people of Israel. So God is showing Jesus as an extension and a completion of the Lord's love for and the calling of his people. And Jesus comes and he calls the apostles. We see in Luke 6, 13. And, and when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12 whom he appointed as apostles. And as you and I as believers, we've, we've been called also. So we see in John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. If, if that's not enough, I'll give you a couple more. And we know that those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Second Timothy, God who saved us and called us to a holy calling... Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Jesus Christ before the ages began. See, every person is called for a purpose. And notice I didn't say every person is called for a reason. Most everyone that is called is, is the unlikely one. God likes to use the unlikely. He calls the unlikely. But every person is called to participate in the kingdom mission. He saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. And our calling leads to our being sent. So we see God calls Abram and he says, go. You need to go to the land in which I will show you. Abram is sent from his home country to see this promised land. And Abraham, by faith in God's promise, sets in motion the plan to, of God to redeem his people. He doesn't inherit the land. He's just, he just gets to go and see it. But through him, God starts building this kingdom from a promised son, Isaac, in a foreign promised land by the power of only God could do. Jesus was also sent, coming down from his heavenly country into the world. We see in John 6, 38, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And Jesus, the promised son, sets into motion what will advance the kingdom of God through the redemption of his people. And he rules, as we saw, until all his enemies are made a footstool under his feet. For he must reign until he has put all of his enemies under his feet. And then Jesus, as he's on earth, he rules and he, um, he starts to ascend, or send, not ascend. He does do that also. But he sends the apostles, which leads to our sending. 
We see in John 17, 18, he's praying, as you sent me to the world, so I sent them into the world. He's talking about the apostles. But then he says, I don't ask for them only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, so that they will also be sent, so that others will believe in me through their word. You see, we're sent on mission, Every single one of us. And it looks different in every single one of our lives, but we are sent individually into our homes to proclaim the gospel, into our neighborhoods to proclaim the gospel, in our jobs, in our cities, all to spread the good news of Jesus Christ, to bless the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're told that the meek will inherit the earth. But listen, we have to be obedient. Look at the text. Now, the Lord said to Abram, go. We'll just stop there. And then we'll jump to verse 4. And Abram thought about it. Nope. Abram went. So he went. He was called by God. He was sent by God And he went in obedience to God. We have to hear this call to go to the nations and make disciples as our own call. When you read in Matthew 28, and we heard Gene read it, and we're going to read it here in a little bit. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. The next line in our life should read, and so they went. Not, and they waited for someone else to go, or they, they just hoped that the church staff would take that on for them. They went. So we're called, we're sent on mission, but remember, the mission is dependent on the king. It's not dependent on how awesome we are. That would go downhill pretty quickly. Not that you are not awesome. I think you're all pretty awesome. But you're sinners. Awesome sinners. (laughs) Look at the text. Look at verse 1 through 3. And if you write in your Bible, just underline the I wills. And notice that it's God who's saying that. So the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. You see, it depends on him. So even the location, I will send you. The place where he sends Abraham depends on him. He doesn't tell him beforehand, this is where you're going, Abraham. Do you want it? What do you think about that? Is it, you, you like that place? No, he does not um, converse with him. He says, you go and I'll show it to you. He tells him to go to the land of Canaan. The father sends Jesus to earth. The son sends the spirit to the church and the spirit sends the church to the nations. We see Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, not just the ones you like. 
Acts 1.8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And each one of us are sent individually where we live, where we work, where we play. This is the nations for us. Some people are, are pulled out and sent like physically to other nations. Some of you may be called away and sent on mission. But for the majority of us, we are sent here. This is the nations that God has placed us amongst to proclaim his good news. And I often think sometimes we believe we're not the sent ones. Like when I go through that list of um, who God called, it's like, okay, Greg, Abraham, Isaiah, Jesus, Jeremiah. I'm not in that league. <laughs> I'm not equipped. But they, I think they all, except Jesus, said I'm not equipped either. So you can't make that argument. Um, <clears throat> But we're all sent. Or we think I'm not equipped or, or I can't make a difference. Like I, when the Lord calls us, he calls us out of darkness and he makes us a light into that darkness. He doesn't pull us away from that darkness. He just makes us a light in that darkness. So if you are called to be a baker in North Bend or a, a painter in Bandon or a stay-at-home mom in Lakeside or a, a banker in, in uh, Coos Bay, that's where he has sent you to shine the light of Christ. If it's in one person's life or a hundred people's lives, that's where he has placed you. And you might be thinking, they don't care. They don't listen to me. I've tried this. To, one, to that I would ask you, have you walked with him through the desert for 40 years yet? Have, have you cried out after them like Isaiah had to until they went into captivity? Or like Jeremiah who, who cried out to them until he was beaten and went into captivity with them? Or like Christ, have you gone all the way to death on the cross? If not... I would say to you, keep telling them. Keep telling them of the kingdom of God because you're right where he has placed you. Look at Genesis 12 too. And I will make of you a great nation. You have to understand that the king is the one who makes the nation great. We see Deuteronomy 7, 6, you, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured, treasured possession out of all the peoples who are the face of the earth. He's the one that makes them great. That's what Moses is saying. The reason you are great is not because you are awesome. It's because God called you out. Because you are identified with him. It's only when Israel turns on God as king, just like Adam and Eve turn on God as king, that they're humbled and brought low and made to suffer under earthly kings. And they are for years until Jesus comes and sits back on the throne over once again king over his people and he blesses the nation with the kingdom message. Fulfilling what Israel was supposed to do early on. They were supposed to bless the nations with this hope. 
And he inaugurates, Jesus inaugurates the kingdom. He brings, bringing in the nations and making them one great nation, the kingdom of God, the church. And the church consists of people ruled by God as king. We saw this last week. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. He's made us a kingdom. Priest to his God and Father. To the glory and dominion forever and ever. For to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And we're made great. Not because we're a large church. Or because we're an American church. Or because we're a community church. That's not why we're made great. We're made great because we're part of the body of Christ. When Yahweh tells Abraham, I will make you a great nation, he doesn't mean I'm going to make you a dominant nation. He doesn't mean uh, I'm going to put you on top so that everybody says, oh, Israel's a great nation. He meant... I'm going to make you a great nation because you're going to reflect the only one that truly is great, me, so that I'm exalted, so that I'm glorified. That's why I'm making you a great nation. He meant a nation that reflects the greatness of God and his love and his mercy and his justice and his compassion and his grace and his power. This is what makes nations or the nations great, that they know the Lord and they reflect him to the lost around them. I think too often as American Christians, we believe what's going to make us a great nation is going back to 1776. But what actually makes the nation great, what makes nations great is Christians realizing that we are aliens and foreigners. We're sojourners in this land just like Abraham was. And our mission is not to make America a a Christian nation through law and power. Our, Our mission is to fill this nation with kingdom people. That's what we are called to do. Make disciples that make disciples. And then we start to grow and show people what the king looks like. Because we are following the one true king. And if we keep looking at Genesis 12, we'll see that the king makes the name of his people great. For Abraham, for Abram, having a great name was partially accounting for losing his father's name. So he says, go from your father's house into an unknown land. So he's losing what would have right, rightfully been his. But God makes him the father of a great nation. Instead of Abram being the son of Terah, he becomes Abraham, the son of God, the father of multitudes. Yahweh made his name far greater than it ever would have been apart from him. And look at Jesus. He lowers himself as a servant. He leaves heaven, puts on flesh, and he's given the name that is higher than any other name we see 
and Philippians. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Too often we try to make our own name great by climbing to the top or by being in positions of power or influence or, or being like Adam and Eve where if you really want to be great, become gods. Just reach out and eat from the yourself above that's forbidden. You be like God. Exalt yourself above him. But that's not... The flow of the word, it's Abraham, leave everything and trust me and I will make you great. Jesus left everything, trusted the Father and his name is highly exalted. The way up is really down, it's submitting ourselves. That's why the kingdom is upside down from the world's kingdom. We have to die to self, die to trying to be on top and and trust the Lord to exalt Christ. So the mission of the church is to bless the nations. If you will, jump to Matthew 28, 18 through 20. God told Abraham, I'll make of you a great nation, I'll bless you, and I'll make your name great, so that you will be a blessing to the nations, and in you all the families on earth will be blessed, and then we get to Matthew 28, the Great Commission, when I became a pastor, um, you're, also, you're always told, or you're asked at least, what's your vision, what's your um, vision for the church or the direction you think you should be going or, or the church should be going and I, I don't know how to go beyond this. <laughs> it's already been written down for us so I don't, I'm not creative anyway so um, here it is. Jesus came to the disciples and said all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We become a blessing to the nations by making disciples of the nations. Go make disciples of all the nations, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you to do. But you can't, be, you can't make disciples of the nations if you're not a disciple yourself. Um, if you are uh, the lonely, uh, not as in lonely, but uh, the lone Christian, you're not going to make disciples. You're, you're reflecting, you're only going to reflect what you believe. 
So in discipleship, we start to bless the nation one person, one person at a time. In one-on-one relationships, we start to bless the nations. We always think we want to go big picture first, but we have to realize if I draw a circle around myself and I just influence one person, I'm starting to bless the nations one person at a time. And then hopefully, if they're, we're doing and following the, the Great Commission, they're also going to go and do the same thing. So discipleship, one-on-one relationships. This is getting together and just discussing the word of God. Correcting one another in sin. It's always an awesome part of the relationship. Not really. It's challenging one another to be in the word. Hey, are you in the word? What's God talking to you about? How is, what's going on in your life? What sin are you wrestling with? It's sharpening one another. It's, it's wrestling through texts together. And this can happen over coffee. We talked about this last week. It can happen over pulling weeds in a garden. I have a few. Um, and shopping together. It's in this discipleship relationship you start to encourage one another to faithfulness in Jesus Christ. And in that faithfulness to Jesus Christ, you start to encourage each other to live on mission for Jesus Christ. Blessing the nations also comes in community. Again, we saw this last week. In the small group, you are in, you're in constant community with them. You're growing together. You should be blessing one another by living out the kingdom in front of each other, uh, praying for each other, easing each other's burdens emotionally, physically, financially, spiritually, caring for each other's needs, mourning together, rejoicing together, arguing. That's okay. It's healthy. In the book Everyday Church, the writers, they say mission takes place not through attractional events, but through attractional communities. The church so often, we want to bring the lost in with awesome events, and honestly, that only attracts people for as long as you can hold their attention, and then when something better and shiny comes along, then they go to that. The way we truly bless the nations is living as the kingdom community before them and being the kingdom of God to them. So we love each other, we take care of each other, we support each other, we go on mission together with each other. What does that look like? It's easy to get up here and throw abstract ideas out and say, I don't know how to apply that so I won't. So let's say your small group that comes together and one of you in your small group has someone in their community that needs yard work done. So you, as a small group, you decide, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to pick a day, we're going to go, we're going to talk to them first. Don't just go do their yard work, that might be weird. Um, But we're going to work in their yard and but we're, first, we're going to commit to praying for them as a group. We're going to pray for this family. We're going to invest in them, and we're going we're to even go work in their yard, and we're going to encourage them, and we're going to joyfully serve together as we do this. And that person sees that not only you're helping them, uh, but you guys actually love one another. You actually enjoy being together. You actually care for those outside your um, small community. 
And that opens the door to start blessing the nations. It opens the door for us to have opportunities to tell people of Jesus Christ. But we do so by first showing them Christ. And that could work itself out in a million different ways in all your different groups. And you come together and say, we're going to not only bless each other, we're going to bless the nation around us. But we have to bless the nations by treating people like family. Our new identity as Christians, it's children of God. We see this in John 1.12. But to all who did receive Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We're baptized in the name of the Father. We're, we, while we were still sinners, we see in Romans, uh, God, sh- God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And um, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Did you not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And if we're baptized into the family of God while we were still sinners, we too must go and make disciples of sinners and baptize them into the family of God. But before baptizing them in the family, we have to love the nations like family. And we have to put uh, and ask ourselves, what if this person was my mother or my brother or sister or somebody you have a good relationship in your family? How would I care for them? How would I treat family who have gone astray, who have struggled in sin, who are in need of the gospel? How would I treat my own family? I can't approach the non-believing world around us uh, like it's us against them. We can't do that. That's, thank God Jesus didn't do that. We have to love them as those who are created in the image of God. We have to have the desire for them to be brought into the family of God. We have to show them grace because we, church, were shown grace. So that means we have to be patient with the lost like family. We're called to endure hardships and even be misused but still love. And this is even if their values and their beliefs and especially if their values and beliefs don't align with ours. How do we love them like family? This almost means this also means that we need to be truthful with them like family. We need to tell them the gospel. We don't ignore sin like it's no like family. We meet them right where they are. We love them right where they are with a Christ-like love so that we have abundant opportunities to share Christ with them. We bless the nations also by serving. Jesus served us, blessing the nations with his life. And not everyone that Jesus served or healed um, or died for received him as Messiah. Jesus loved and served them. And we're baptized in the name of the Son. So we're to serve like the Son. To live like the Son. Bless the nations like the Son through service. So service, it means, it means seeking justice and feeding the hungry and taking care of the orphan and the widow. We serve by being the, being the church ministry. That's the fourth Saturday of every month. 
Make a priority so that we can show up and show the community around us the love of Christ. Those who come into our fellowship, we baptize them in the name of the Son, and they also go and serve as we teach them to do so. We can't teach them to do so if we're not serving. We bless the nations by proclaiming the kingdom of God with the power of the Holy Spirit. We've been baptized in the name of the Holy Spirit who helps us preach the good news again. Acts 1.8 But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll be my witness in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the Spirit helps us proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, but he also helps us produce the fruit that makes us look like Jesus Christ. So as we go into the world, the Holy Spirit helps us bless the nations, first by convicting them of sin. So we live out our Christian lives before them. We pray for their hearts. We pray for the lost. We pray for them to to see their need of the good news of Jesus Christ. We pray that they will be convicted of sin because the Lord says, I'm sending my spirit into the world to convict them of sin. So we believe that and we we live out um, our lives before them. We ask the Spirit, give us scripture to share, hope to proclaim, love to spread. But not only do we want them to see that they're sinners, we want the Holy Spirit to enlighten their heart to the need of the gospel, which he promises to do. We don't want people to only feel bad about sin. We want them to respond to the Savior. So we pray, God, would you give them understanding? Would you help them believe? Would you give them faith? And as a believer, this should give you hope that you don't have to go and bank on your ability to perfectly present the gospel. Now, you need to correctly present the gospel, (laughs) Don't adjust it, but you need to remain faithful to the story of the gospel, proclaim it, but trust that it's the spirit that ignites the heart to believe. And that gives us so much more um, hope in our putting our eyes. The Holy Spirit helps us bless the nations by leading us, opening our eyes to those he desires for us to pray with, to cry with, to encourage, to help, to serve, to sit with, to just listen to? Are you open to the Spirit's leading? Are you serving like the Son? Are you treating people like family, like the Father treated you? The kingdom of God, we've said, is God's reign over God's people and God's place. So my question to end our series, is are you living with Jesus as king of your life? Are you expanding his kingdom with his people? And are you being built up in discipleship as the holy dwelling place with the people of God for God? I know that was like six questions in one, but that's how I write questions, so... 
And if you can say, yes, that's, that's how I'm living, praise God. And make sure you have somebody you're taking with you and discipling them and showing them this is what it looks like to live for the kingdom. But if you cannot say yes, then hear the word of the Lord today. Do not harden your hearts. Repent and follow him. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the story of redemption. And we look and see how you have called people out all along. You've equipped them. You've, you've sent them. I pray that my brothers and sisters in here see that we have all been called and we've all been sent. And we don't need to bank on our ability to be perfect, Lord, because we know we can't. We just need to proclaim your perfect gospel. We need to live out as the kingdom of God. I pray that you would help us to do so. Lord, we need your help. We need uh, forgiveness for not doing this. So we need encouragement to do this from uh, your spirit, but also from each other, Lord. I pray that we would uh, start putting our arms around each other and living out um, this call, this call to be the kingdom, to expand the kingdom through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you for your mercy and your grace. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us at Hauser Community Church Online. Check back next week for the next unpacking of the Word of God. Please feel free to contact us with any questions you might have about the message or for pastor at area code 541-756-2591 or email us at pray at hauserchurch.org. Again, that's P-R-A-Y at H-A-U-S-E-R-C-H-U-R-C-H dot O-R-G. Our address is 69411 Wildwood Road, North Bend, Oregon, 97459. Remember, if you're seeking the truth, it will set you free. And that truth is Jesus Christ.